Welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Red Pill Revolution started out with me realizing everything that I knew, everything that I believed, everything I interpret about my life is through the lens of the information I was spoon-fed as a child. Religion, politics, history, conspiracies, Hollywood, medicine, money, food, all of it. Everything we know was tactfully written to influence your decisions and your view on reality by those in power. Now, I'm on a mission. A mission to retrain and re-educate myself to find the true reality of what is behind that curtain. And I'm taking your ass with me. Welcome to the revolution. Hello and welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams and I am your host. Thank you so much for joining me. We are on episode number seven. I'm about to run out of fingers to do this with. So, so excited about that. Um, seems like it's like flown by and we've gone into some really interesting topics. So again, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you so much. And uh, let's get into it today. What we're going to talk about is the new scary Omnicron variant. Oh no. Is it something to be worried about? Is it something that you should be concerned about? Or is it just another bullshit scam for them to try to inject you with booster after booster after booster? We'll find out. Then we're going to talk about the... Uh, difference uh, or the engagement between Fauci and Ted Cruz recently. Ted Cruz talked about the the possible prosecution of Fauci and Fauci responds with a extremely maniacal laugh. So we'll look at that. We're also going to talk about Twitter's uh, CEO, Jack Dorsey, stepped down and left a very woke CEO, um, even more so than Jack somehow. And we're also going to get into all the details on the very first day of the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, um, the opening statements by the prosecution and the defense, um, some of the people that were there, the witnesses that um, are going to be speaking, and some of the ones that were missing, which is interesting, too, that we normally would have expected to be there. Um, all of this and more today. But first... I just want to tell you guys again how much I appreciate you. We just started a Substack. The Substack has all of the information, all of the breaking information, whether it's on the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, whether it's on uh, you know the the actual COVID variants that come out day by day, um, or whatever else breaking information we have. The Substack is your place for all of it. I'm going to be putting all of the links for my episodes in there. I know I've been saying that for a minute, um, but we finally have a home to do it at. So go ahead right now. Um, go to our Instagram or go to our link tree directly. Um, or you can go directly to redpillrevolution.substack.com, put in your email, that's all we need is your email, and I'll keep you guys updated day by day if I have to with breaking information. So please go subscribe, it's free, it doesn't cost you anything, um, at least for now, we're going to go ahead and get it started that way. I, I'm really excited about this, and we've had a great response so far, so thank you guys so much. Um, other than that, go ahead, subscribe, like, share, every freaking button around your phone right now, press it if it does something good for us. 
Um, and I would so appreciate that. Um, subscribe, share, like, comment, whatever you see on your screen there would appreciate it. And uh, whether you're on YouTube, go to Apple Podcasts um, and leave a five-star review. If you're on Spotify, cool. Thank you so much. Go to, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Um, that's what Apple cares about when it comes to the algorithms. And we know we all hate the algorithms. So help me beat those algorithms. Appreciate you guys so much. Merch at the Red Pill Revolution dot co website and you can donate right on our link tree at red pill revolt on instagram right in the bio that's all i got let's move on all right so the first topic we're going to talk about today is the maniacal weird crazy evil laugh that came out of fauci's stupid face when he responded to the uh ted cruz statement about him being prosecuted so we have that right here let's go ahead and take a look and see what this evil uh, decrepit villain has to say. Senator Cruz told the Attorney General you should be prosecuted. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to laugh at that. <laughs> I should be prosecuted. What happened on January 6th, Senator? <laughs> I should be prosecuted. What happened in this completely different scenario that you had nothing to do with? Deflection much? That's freaking weird. And that laugh just tells you everything you need to know about this freaking psychopath. <laughs> he said I should be put in jail? Literally, nobody's ever told me I should be prosecuted. And if they did, my response would not be laughing like a freaking evil Disney villain. Weird. Just weird. All right? Let's, let's listen to that one more time. I'd have to laugh at that. <laughs> I should be prosecuted. What happened on January 6th, Senator? She has no idea what to say to that because it's such a ridiculous statement to respond to that because it has nothing to do with what he's even talking about. You didn't even answer the question. I'm telling you, you should be prosecuted. You should be prosecuted because... You have known full well what's going on with this virus for a very long time. You were in part... Uh, in actually creating the virus in Wuhan lab where it leaked from. You have continually lied to the American people on top of telling people that masks weren't needed, killing a bunch of us according to your science, and then telling us it is needed later because it was convenient for you at the time. So many different things that you should be prosecuted for, whether it's the AIDS epidemic and the AZT scandal, whether it's this one and all of the um, interwoven fabrics and webs of your disgusting little lies and your... Um, connections with these companies that are out there pushing these vaccines vaccinations and the only way that you're laughing like that live on tv is if you've done something very wrong so you think that this is about making you a scapegoat to deflect of course from president trump of course you have to be asleep not to figure that one out <laughs> well there are a lot of republican senators uh taking aim at this. I mean, that's okay. I'm just going to do my job. And Good. Really happy that Congress and senators are all coming after me for all these illegal acts that I did. And I'm just going to continue doing them because I don't give a shit because I'm an evil villain who's out to depopulate the world on Bill Gates' behalf and Pfizer's behalf. And, uh,. All right, move on. So we're pretty weird. What we're going to go into next is the uh, interview that he had recently about the um, Omicron variant and his uh, response to COVID-19, where he states some pretty weird stuff. Again. 
level down. And, and I think that's going to have to be as low as less than 10,000. But you've been talking about all the problems you have there with convincing these people who are really dug in anti-vaccine. Is it really realistic that we have to get to 85% of the population, which is what you've said in the past, yeah. in order to sort of have herd immunity? I mean, it seems almost impossible to yeah. get there. L let me get to that number, Margaret, because it really is important. We have to be very humble about it. We don't know what that number is. And the reason is the number is a moving target. Because if you get someone who's vaccinated and he wanes down and gets below a certain level, I don't know whether you can count that as a full protected person, which is the reason why it's a combination not only of getting the total population vaccinated as a primary, but also getting people boosted. And that's what I mean by a moving target. I've always said, and, and, and I hope we can clarify it, that measles, we know that the Okay, what this psychopath just said um, to the question of what's the number? What is the number? Is it 85% need to be vaccinated? What is herd immunity? And herd immunity originally wasn't vaccinated percentage. That's not what herd immunity means because herd immunity includes the percentage of people who are immune from actually having the virus. It includes the percentage of people who have gotten vaccinated and it includes the amount of people who have antibodies. Herd immunity, not herd vaccination. So he changes that definition like he's changed all definitions, including science. But what he just said there was that, well, it's a constantly moving target, which we've known for a long time. He just hasn't admitted it on camera that he's been moving the freaking goalposts the entire time. But he finally says it. It's a constantly moving target and we will never know because it will never happen because we need to continue to. And what he said there that was interesting, too, was that... Um, Let's listen to it one more time here, where he says, The number is a moving target. Because if you get someone who's vaccinated and he wanes down and gets below a certain level, I don't know whether you can count that as a full protected person. Which So if you get vaccinated, and then you get the booster, and then you get the other booster, and then you get the next booster, but your numbers go down, I don't know if I can call you vaccinated anymore. I don't know if that counts anymore. So he just told you, if you get the vaccine, and then you get the booster, and then you get the next booster, unless you continue to get every single product that his corporation pushes out for you, you no longer are able to go eat. You are no longer able to go to the movies. If you're in Australia, you're no longer able to leave your home. If you are, And if you are actually put into camps at this point in Australia, if you are unvaccinated, from what I understand, I need to look into that more because it seems so crazy to me. Um, but read a few things on that so far that they have started to put people in camps who are unvaccinated or who have COVID. So what he just said is that if you get vaccinated, but your numbers go down, numbers are, he doesn't tell you what that number is, just like he doesn't tell you the amount of percentages that need to be vaccinated to reach herd immunity, then that's not, that doesn't count anymore to me, unless you keep getting our products and you keep buying what we're pushing out or, and if it's not going to be you, it's going to be the government putting your tax dollars towards this in his pocket and in Pfizer's pocket and in Johnson and Johnson's pocket. It's crazy. It, it, this thing's never going to end. And he just told you how variant after variant after variant, whether it's freaking 
what was it? Delta to Omnicron to all the, th whatever, three more there was in between. I don't even know the names of them because I don't even pay attention to this shit because it's such garbage that they're just spoon feeding you and spoon feeding you variant after variant after variant so they can inject you and inject you and inject you with every single vaccination and booster that they put out there. And, and, and RNA changing freaking mRNA vaccinations. So again, change the de definition of vaccinations to now include uh, mRNA gene therapy, which it never was that before. Which is the reason why. So the next thing we're going to look at here is the quick overview of what this is. The lockdowns, the Omicron variant that's going to take over it all. Can the World Health Organization designated the new B11529 coronavirus variant as a variant of concern and gave it the name Omicron. Omicron has already been detected in a number of countries, including Canada, Botswana, Australia, the UK, Germany, Italy, and Belgium, but it was first identified in South Africa. President Biden met with Dr. Anthony Fauci Sunday and members of the White House COVID-19 response team to discuss the new strain. Biden plans to provide an update later today. This after Fauci reportedly told the administration that it will likely take two more weeks to learn definitive information about the new strain, such as its transmissibility and severity. But today, the World Health Organization warned that Omicron is likely to spread further, poses a very high global risk, and surges of COVID infections caused by the variant could have severe consequences for some areas. Dr. Fauci told ABC's George Stephanopoulos on Sunday that the COVID-19 Omicron variant will inevitably be found in the United States, but it's too early to tell if there will be any new lockdowns or mandates due to the new strain. Let's take a listen. Like to be seeing more lockdowns again, new lockdowns, more mandates. He says that almost excited, like he gets to give you some new news. Are we going to be expecting any new lockdowns, any restrictions? You know, I don't know, George. It's really too early to say. We just really need to, as I've said so often, prepare for the worst. And it may not be that we're going to have to go the route that people are saying this. We don't know a lot about this virus, so we want to prepare as best as we can. But it may turn out that this preparation, although important, may not necessarily push us to the next level. People talking about lockdowns, people talking about that. Let's see what the information that we're getting in real time tells us. And we'll make decisions based on the science and the evidence the way we always do. But you want to be prepared to do anything and everything. And that's the reason why we're paying such close attention to this and why we're all over it. So it seems like there's a couple things we need to find out. We need to know if this if this variant is more uh, transmissible than Delta. Uh, obviously, Delta was significantly more transmissible mm -hmm. than the original strain. We need to know if it's more dangerous, more lethal if you actually do get it. And we need to understand how well our existing vaccines protect right. against it. All right, not much more to take out of that. Um, besides, the, they should they should fire those guys. It's like, oh, it sounds like they're going into finance news. It, it's, I don't know why anybody would watch this. Um, but moving on, um, the Omicron variant and its variant after variant after variant, and it will be and will continue to be and has been a pandemic of variants. 
And all they're going to keep doing is pushing out new variants and new vaccines. And that, my friends, is your new normal. Your new normal is being peddled pharmaceutical medications by politicians who have had their pockets lined by these companies for the foreseeable future. And the only thing left for us to do is tell them to fuck off. Fuck off. I'm not getting the vaccine, and you shouldn't either if you haven't gotten it at this point, unless you are in a high-risk pool, um, which most of you are not. So... Generally speaking, you probably don't need it at this point. If you have gone this far and haven't fucking died of variant ABC LMNOP, you're probably fine. I'm not a doctor. Don't take my advice. And I'm barely a podcaster at this point. <laughs> or journalist, I guess I should say. Um, so, do your own research. This seems like bullshit to me. From what I've read, there's the, the actual... Um, effectiveness or, or the uh, the actual toll that this takes on your body is very low. Um, but none of us would know any of this even happened or existed unless they told us in the first place and tried to push us to get vaccinated. Um, now, what we'll see here is a little spot by Rand Paul pushing back against Fauci, thankfully. Um, and we'll see what he has to say about that. She actually responded to that criticism in, in this same interview. Let's take a listen. Anybody who's looking at this carefully realizes that there's a distinct anti-science flavor to this. So if they get up and criticize science, nobody's going to know what they're talking about. But if they get up and really aim their bullets at Tony Fauci, well, people could recognize there's a person there. So it's easy to criticize, but they're really criticizing science. Because I represent science. I represent science. Dr. Fauci put it on a sticker. I represent science. No, you do not. You represent bureaucrats and politicians who have had their pockets lined for decades by Pfizer, by Johnson & Johnson, by frickin' Moderna, by every single one of these NIH, NIS, frickin' uh, NID... National Institution of Department of Health, whatever, who, where, when, CDC, wh whoever it is, these guys are taking money from them. And those corporations themselves, those bureaucratic unelected officials are being put, are, are being given large, large, and have been given large sums of money over a long period of time to make this happen. And if they haven't received their money yet, they're going to receive it in the future when he steps down from his position, Dr. Fauci, and he's the CEO of Pfizer or Moderna or Johnson & Johnson, it's happened for decades. So you don't represent science. You represent bureaucratic politics, pharmaceutical grade bullshit. And for you to even say that is so egotistical and maniacal. And you've literally done nothing but push politics. You aren't the one sitting there with a freaking beaker or with a, a microscope figuring these things out. And from, mind you, let's go back to the very first episode of this podcast where Carrie Mollis spoke about Fauci. And if you haven't heard about Carrie Mollis, Carrie Mollis is the individual who came up with um, the testing that they use. PCR testing. Carrie Mollis came up with PCR testing back in... Uh, the 1990s, 1970s, 1980s, 90s, and was given the Nobel Peace Prize. 
Um, died in this house three months before COVID, in case you want to pull on that string and see if there's any coincidences, which I guarantee you there are. Um, but PCR testing, Kerry Mollis, an actual scientist, a Nobel Peace Prize winning scientist, said that Dr. Fauci wouldn't know, doesn't know a damn thing about science, doesn't know a damn thing about um, biochemistry, about electron microscopy, if I remember the quote correctly. I couldn't tell you what that means, but he said that. <laughs> um, he doesn't know a thing about science, but he represents science. He can't even explain the, a proper percentage for herd immunity. And, and, and any time that any idea of the public goes against what he is trying to say, he changes the definition on a freaking website or gives somebody enough money to change the definition on their website. Just like herd immunity, just like vaccination, just like science, apparently, at this point. Um, just like uh, vaccine. All right. That's enough about freaking COVID and Omnicron. What we're going to talk about now is the uh, Jack Dorsey situation with Twitter, where Jack Dorsey recently stepped down from his position as CEO of Twitter, recently being this morning. Um, and uh, what he said in his statement is, I'll go ahead and read it for you. He said, not sure anyone has heard yet, but I resigned from Twitter. He went on to say in his full statement, after almost 16 years of having a role at our company from co-founder to CEO to chair to executive chair to interim CEO to CEO, I've decided that it's finally time for me to leave. Why? There's a lot of talk about the importance of a company being founder led. Ultimately, I believe that's severely limiting and a single point of failure. I've worked hard to ensure this company can break away from its founding and its founders. There are three reasons I believe right now is the time. The first reason is Parag becoming our CEO. Don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, so apologies. Parag, P-A-R-A-G, is the CEO that has had some very dark statements come up from his, ironically enough, tweeting past um, that have come to bite him in the ass and some statements on a podcast that we're going to look at in a little bit. Um, so he said the board ran a rigorous process considering all options and unanimously, unanimously appointed Parag. He's been my choice for some time, given how deeply he understands the company and its needs. Parag has been behind every critical decision that helped turn this company around. He's curious, probing, rational, creative, demanding, self-aware, and humble. He forgot racist uh, and uh, probably a communist too. Um, but we'll move on. He leads with heart and soul and is someone I learned from the daily. I trust him as our CEO and is bone deep. Second is Brett Taylor is our board and chair. Nobody cares. The third is all of you. We have a lot of ambition and potential on this team. Considering this, Parag started here as an engineer who cared deeply about our work and is now our CEO. I also had a similar path. He did it better. This alone makes me proud. Parag is a CEO starting today and I'm going to serve the board through my term to help Parag and Brett with this transition. And after that, I'll leave the board. Why not stay or become chair? I believe it's really important to give Parag the space that he needs to lead. And back to my previous point, I believe it's critical a company can stand on its own, free of its founder's influence or direction. I want you to know this has been my decision and I own it. It was tough one for me. Of course, I love this service and company and all you of you so much. I'm really sad yet really happy. There aren't really many companies that get to this level and there aren't any many founders that choose their company over their ego. That sounds egotistical. Um, I know we'll prove this was the right move. We'll have all hands meeting tomorrow at 9.05 Pacific. Until then, I will trust you've placed in me and the openness to the public um, to build that trust in Prague and yourselves. I love you. I'm tweeting this email. My one wish is for Twitter, Inc. to be the most transparent company in the world. Hi, mom. 
Wow, so now you're gonna start being the most transparent company in the world. Hi mom, I wanna start being the most transparent company in the world the day that I step down. Here's an email telling you that you should now do that. Bye, since we've never done that in the first place. Hilarious, crazy. Um, so the interesting correlation between this tweet and the current events of today and one we're gonna get into in just a moment is the Ghislaine Maxwell trial started today. At the same exact time that the Glenn Maxwell trial was the opening statements were being made this morning was exactly this time that this tweet went out at 9.45 a.m. today. Literally the exact same time on the exact same day, the CEO of the single or one of the top two largest social media networks in the world, largest data companies in the world, steps down. And he says, why? Oh, because this guy, and because this guy, and because of all of you. But he never gave a single freaking reason why. He didn't give a single reason as to why philosophically, as to why um, monetarily, or any specific reason why he actually left the company. All he said was, the first is Parag being our CEO, the second is Brett, the third is all of you. None of that gives any actual substance to why this man left the company. Um... So we only have left to conclude some of the coincidences of this, which may potentially be the Glenn Maxwell trial starting on the exact same day at the exact same time. No idea what to make of this. Can't tell you what the correlation is, but I can tell you, well, I can tell you what the correlation is, but I can't tell you the causation. It, it's weird. It's a weird correlation, and I hope you dig into it. And if you know something that I don't about Jack Dorsey and Twitter and... Um, the Glenn Maxwell trial, or if you maybe have a better idea of what happened here, please let me know at Red Pill Revolt on Instagram. Um, so, real quick, what we're going to talk about one more time is the Substack. So excited about the Substack, guys! Um, yesterday I put out, well, today, but yesterday for you if you're listening on today. Anyways, um, I made a Substack, and the Substack is going to be up to date. Um, Every single week on the every single, I have all of these clips open up in my browser right now. And as soon as I'm done with this, I'm going to copy, I'm going to paste them, I'm going to put them on a clipboard, and I'm going to put them in the Substack. And I'm going to write little things about each article. It's going to be weekly that I'm putting that out regarding, it's going to be a little companion email regarding the um, actual podcast. And it will actually have the podcast in the email for you, which is cool the video version and the audio version. Um, and then. I'm going to be putting out breaking news updates about the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. I'm going to be putting out interesting information that I find on a daily basis, whether it's just little videos that I saw, um, whether it's a product that I love that I think our community might love too, um, whether it's a really interesting article that I found, whatever it is, music, whatever, I'm going to put it on the Substack. So if you're not in the Substack, you're getting a very small portion of what Red Pill Revolution has to offer specifically just by watching this video or by listening to this podcast. Go ahead, redpillrevolution.substack.com. Put in your email. That's it. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Um, and we're going to be putting out a ton of information. And eventually, I plan on doing a paid subscription on top of the free one where I'll be putting out additional video content weekly just for the paid subscribers. But for now, it's 100% free. Don't got to worry about that. And it will continue to be free. Um, so go ahead, substack.com or rather redpillrevolution.substack.com 
and uh, go ahead and subscribe there. Also subscribe to Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Rumble, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts or watch your video clips. We're more than likely there. If we're not, let me know. I can add it. Um, and we'll also be on that Substack every single week. The podcast will be sending out there. So um, that's all I got for that. Let's go ahead and get back into it and talk a little bit about the new CEO um, who is in some deep shit over some comments that he's made over in the past um, regarding white people and more. So let's check that out. All right. So this is Parag Agrawal. 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 Parag Agrawal at P-A-R-G-A on Twitter. And this is in October of 26. Um, I know I've gone back to my Twitter from times where I was in high school 10 years ago and or in the military 10 years ago, I guess, and got rid of a ton of stupid shit that I said that was okay for that time and probably not okay for now. And I was stupid, you know, you got to clean your shit up over time. (laughs) It's like, if you're going to be the CEO of Twitter, you probably shouldn't have some racist damn tweets. Here is what the new CEO of Twitter had to say about free speech in a conversation which he was talking to MIT's um, tech podcast. Um, And Litchfield asked Agrawal, you also want to protect free speech as a core value and also in the U.S. as the First Amendment. How do you balance those two when also trying to combat misinformation? He said, the new CEO, Agrawal, Our role is not to be bound by the First Amendment. Our role is to serve a healthy public conversation, and our moves are reflective of things that we believe lead to a healthier public conversation. So what you have to understand about that and what he means by public or a healthier public conversation, let's break that down a little bit just so you understand that whole statement. Our role is not bound by the First Amendment, but our role is to serve a healthy public conversation. Okay, so if it's a public conversation, then it falls within the category of the First Amendment. You don't get to have your cake and eat it too. Um, you don't get to be a public space and not uphold the first amendment. That's how the constitution works. Okay. If you're a private space and you want to tell me, I can't say something in your business where I have to leave, then you can kick me out. Or if we're at planet fitness and I drop my weights too hard and you don't like the, Ugh, that I make when I drop my weights, you play a stupid alarm and you kick me out. Cause you have the right to do that. Cause it's your private business. But when you in two, in the same sentence, say the word public conversation twice, And then go on to say, you're not bound by the first amendment. That makes no sense. That's not, that's not how that works. Okay. But what's even more important is the, what he tries to say there regarding a healthy public conversation, because what's important there is what is healthy. What do you think healthy means? Healthy means not, you know, and we've seen this through their actions. Healthy does not mean healthy for your mind. They don't care about your mental health. They don't care about your 12 year old's mental health. Healthy does not mean healthy for your body. They don't care about your physical health. They'll let McDonald's advertise as much as they want. In fact, they'll promote McDonald's because I'm sure somehow they get money back for it. Or favors, quid pro quo when you get to that level. But at this point, what is a healthier public conversation? Healthier means healthier for their bottom line. Health for Twitter is a healthy stock price, not a healthy general public. As they've said, we're not the public. Right? Well, they did try to say they're public conversation, but they're trying to say that they're a private company. They're not the government. They don't give a shit about you. They don't give a shit about your mental health or your child's mental health or your parents' mental health. They don't care about your physical health. 
or your child's physical health or your parents' physical health. All they care about, all healthy means to them is a healthy bottom line, is a healthy stock price, is healthy shareholders, right? And so what that means is padding the pockets and padding the conversation and pushing the conversation in a way that it's healthier for their shareholders, their stockholders, and for the companies that will help push and prod them up to continue to be one of the largest monopolies in our country. And so if your conversation is not deemed as healthy for Twitter's bottom line or Pfizer's bottom line or Johnson & Johnson or name your company, McDonald's, whatever it is, you're no longer allowed in the conversation. He furthers this when he goes on to say, the kinds of things that we do about this focus less on, th the kinds of things that we do about this is focus less on thinking about free speech, but thinking about how the times have changed. There's no correlation there. You gave no reason why the times changing has anything to do with me being able to speak in a public setting. One of the changes today, he says, is that we see that one of the changes today that we see is speech is easy on the internet. Most of us can speak. Where our role is particularly emphasized is who can be heard. The scarce commodity today is attention. There's a lot of content out there, a lot of tweets out there, and not a lot of it gets attention. Some subsect of it gets attention. And so increasingly, our role is moving towards how we recommend content. And that sort of is a struggle that we're working through in terms of how we make sure these recommendation systems that we're building, recommendation systems, these recommendation systems that we're building, how we direct people's attention is leading to a healthier public conversation that is most participatory. Okay, so what he's saying there, and they don't have recommendation systems. You don't go on Instagram and just go to the explore page. That's a recommendation system. If you want to say you're a recommendation system, you have an explore page and you promote people that you like the conversation of. And then if the people want to engage with those, then they engage with those. And if they don't, they engage with the people that they decided to engage with. What's not a recommendation system is eliminating people from the conversation, eliminating people like Alex Jones, eliminating people like input the name of whoever you want to there, Dan Bonino, of Tim Pool, of Joe Rogan, of any of these people who have been silenced or had the woke mafia or mob come after them from the Twitter mob come after them as a result of saying factual information in the past. Any of those people, their recommendation systems shadow ban them. They don't just promote stuff. They don't just recommend stuff. They ban stuff. They shadow ban stuff. They shadow ban people. They shadow ban conversations. They shadow ban freaking hashtags. That's not a recommendation system. Banning the hashtag that is hashtag uh, natural immunity. Go to Twitter right now on your phone and type in the hashtag or, or I'm sorry, Instagram. I know it's for sure on Instagram. Natural immunity. Eliminate it. Gone. You cannot find that hashtag on Instagram. So that's not a recommendation system. That's shadow banning, blocking, ridding people of the conversation and ridding people from a public conversation, which you called it yourself. Okay. Agarwal also said in a tweet in 2010, there's a little difference between black or between, I'm sorry, white people and racists. The context of this quote came from the daily show where writers were alleged, alleging that conservatives make no distinction between Muslims and extremists. 
Okay, so a lot to be concerned about there. If you never didn't think that Twitter could get any worse, it has, and it has started with this individual. I'll be really interested to watch the stock price over the next week or so when more and more information comes out with where this is going because the idea that Twitter could get any more woke and be ran by somebody who has a crazier ideology than Jack Dorsey, especially one who says they're not bound by freedom of speech, but oh, they're a public conversation, and we only have recommendation systems. We don't block people, right? We don't shadow ban people. We just recommend people. Good luck. Twitter is going to be on a slippery slope here. And, uh, you know, I, I guess Parler was trending today, which is crazy to me that Parler is no longer in the conversation. It's like they got their butts banked and they just quivered in the corner for the, the last six months, 10 months, 12 months now. Um, if you don't recall, Parler was the new Twitter that was supposed to be coming out during the end of the Trump campaign. Um, and uh, what ended up happening was as Parler grew a ton, a ton of new followers and a ton of traction and was their servers were crashing because so many people were moving over there from Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. This is a huge mass exodus at one point. And if you were part of it, you remember how much of a movement was towards moving to Parler and gone. They took out their servers from them. Nobody would even touch them for an extended period of time until the hype went away. And then they just sat in the corner and nobody's on parlor anymore. I don't get it. I don't know why that movement was stifled at all. It makes no sense to me. Um, but hopefully everybody gets back on parlor. I know Trump has truth social coming out, which should be within this month having the beta testing. So if you know how to get in on that, let me know. Cause I'd love to be a part of it. Um, hope for the future true social right maybe parlor hopefully they can come back but it's not looking like twitter is going to get any better it's just going to get worse and with freaking mark zuckerberg and uh you know facebook's direction with meta or meta with the facebook you know whatever you want to call it is just nightmare nightmare fuel so hopefully truth social and parlor can you know prop themselves up out of this crazy transition um but we'll see all right, so what we're going to get into next um, is the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. So I know you guys have been waiting for this the whole episode, um, and I've been waiting to talk about it because there's been a lot of things that happened today. The Ghislaine Maxwell trial started today. Um, the very first opening by the defense team, by the prosecution. Um, we found out who um, some of the witnesses are going to be that's speaking at the trial. And then we found out who of them were going to be at the trial. So this is an interesting thing that came out of this, um, was that there was um, a key victim, who the most outspoken victim from Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell's horrific acts, um, that is not a part of this. So it's interesting to kind of think maybe why that might be, but let's watch this clip. Virginia Giuffre, the most well-known of Epstein's victims, is not included in this trial. Giuffre is the one who claims she was trafficked to Prince Andrew. She also claims she was trafficked to New Mexico Governor Bill Richardson, former U.S. Senator George Mitchell, lawyer Alan Dershowitz, modeling scout Jean-Luc Brunel, and billionaire Glenn Dubin. Now, why is she not included in the trial? Well, it's unclear. She says Ghislaine Maxwell was heavily involved in her exploitation, but for whatever unknown reason, the prosecution didn't bring up any charges 
related to Dufresne's case. Another victim who appears to be absent from the trial is Sarah Ransom. Ransom accused Epstein of raping her and accused both Epstein and Maxwell of recruiting her into their sex trafficking ring and lending her out to their friends, including Alan Dershowitz. Most importantly, Ransom was primarily stationed on Epstein's island in the Caribbean and would have seen and possibly interacted with the various influential people being flown on and off the island on Epstein's private jet. People such as Donald Trump and Bill Clinton, perhaps. In an interview with CBS News, Ransom stated, Ghislaine was Jeffrey's right hand, you know, the lieutenant of the whole pyramid. She made sure we all stayed in line, that when we were called to his bedroom, that we went. However, in 2018, Ransom settled a case with Epstein and Maxwell, so it's not looking like she's included in the trial. Now, this takes us to a name, a big name attached to the case that we'll be hearing a lot of during this trial, and that's Comey. Not James Comey, but his daughter Maureen. Maureen Comey is one of the three lead prosecutors in this Maxwell case. Maureen was also a lead prosecutor in the Jeffrey Epstein case before he allegedly killed himself over two years ago. She also worked on another Epstein-related case, that of Nicholas Tartaglione. Tartaglione, a former cop in quadruple murder, was assigned to cell with Epstein and claims that he tried to help Epstein after he was found unconscious with marks on his neck, allegedly attempting suicide. But Epstein's attorney said he didn't attempt suicide, that it was Tartaglione who roughed him up. Later, Epstein was placed on suicide watch, and we all know how well that went. Now, if, Tart if Tartaglione sounds familiar to you, it's probably because Ryan pointed out last week that Tartaglione's defense attorney is the same one now representing Ghislaine Maxwell. So Tartaglione, who was accused by Epstein of roughing him up, has the same defense attorney as Maxwell, who's being prosecuted by the same prosecutor who went after both Epstein and Tartaglione. That doesn't confuse you enough already. One thing that I really want to bring up on this is that, you know, in a prosec in in a, a district attorney's office, there are typically, especially one with the Southern District of New York, um, which makes you have to wonder why. Um, you know, if they've been so outspoken to see these other women be so courageous and speak up, and then, you know, I'm sure there's a reason. And um, you know, I know that she said there that one of them had actually settled with Epstein at one point. So maybe that was within the legal documents is for her to not testify in any trials on his um, regarding it, any of it. Um, so who knows? But it's interesting, right? It, you got to wonder why the, the most outspoken ones in this case are, aren't a part of it. But respectfully, I'm sure there's a reason. All right, so the next thing we're gonna talk about and go through is the opening statements of the trial. So if you were um, already on the Red Pill Revolution substack, um, then you have already read through some of this, but I'm gonna do it in my voice for you. And um, we'll kind of talk about some of the key points and see some of the things um, that pissed me off a little bit about the trial and about the prosecution and the defense at this point. Um, so give me one second here. Let me type in redpillrevolution.substack.com. Again, I'm typing in redpillrevolution.substack.com to go to the substack where I'm going to be reading the opening statements by both the defense team as well as the uh, prosecution. All right, so we are now on redpillrevolution.substack.com. Our very new Substack, if you haven't heard about it, it uh, is going to update you on all of the Ghislaine Maxwell trial and on weekly episodes here as a companion. Redpillrevolution.substack.com. 
All right, so we're looking at the Ghislaine Maxwell opening statements. Here is the day one of the trial. And as information comes out, I'm going to be putting it out. If there's enough information, I'm going to be putting it out daily um, and putting all the, the information that I'm reading on my side of things and hearing from my sources and putting them here for you guys in a curated fashion, which is hopefully a lot easier to read and a lot easier than going to a bunch of different sources at, in a single time and pushing it out immediately for everybody to find. Um, so go ahead, subscribe redpillrevolution.substack.com, but the opening statements have been made by the prosecution and the defense. The prosecutor kicks off the, um, the trial of Glenn Maxwell with a blistering opening statement. Assistant U.S. Attorney General Laura Pomerantz opens the start of the Glenn Maxwell trial by saying, I want to tell you about Jane. She turned 14 years old that summer when a man and a woman walked by. The man said he was a donor who gave scholarships to students at this camp. The woman asked for her phone number, and it began a nightmare. The man and woman were predators. Jane was not their only victim. There were other young girls. Who was that woman? It was the defendant, Ghislaine Maxwell. The defendant took these girls on shopping trips and won their trust. She talked sex. There were times when she was in the room when it happened. That is why we are here today. Between 1994 and 2004, the defendant sexually exploited young girls. She preyed on them and served them up to be sexually abused. She was trafficking kids for sex. He owned a ranch in New Mexico, an apartment in Paris, a mansion in Manhattan, Palm Beach, and a private island. Epstein had private planes and pilots. The defendant got to enjoy that luxury right along with Epstein. The defendant was the lady of the house. She imposed rules. Employees were to hear nothing, see nothing, and say nothing. There was a culture of silence. That was by design. The defendant's design. They had a playbook. Get access and gain trust. They often targeted the daughters of single mothers struggling to make ends meet. <clears throat> they made these girls feel seen, but that was a cover. To get the girls to touch Epstein, they used the cover of massage. The defendant massaged Epstein, then told the girls to do it. Epstein brought girls into his massage room every single day. It was sexual abuse. Before I describe those so-called massages, let me say these are the facts. Epstein touched the teenage girls with equipment he sometimes penetrated. The defendant helped Epstein find those girls for so-called massages. They lured their victims with a promise of a brighter future, then destroyed their lives. The defendant was jet-setting in private planes. So what happened to Jane? You will hear from her. Someone from Epstein's office invited her to Epstein's house. She told her mother he was offering a scholarship. Jane was 14, a kid. Epstein was in his early 40s, the defendant in her early 30s. Jane traveled to New York to Epstein's mansion where he abused her. She was not the only one. You'll learn about multiple girls during the course of this trial. You will learn about a 16-year-old girl who traveled to the ranch in New Mexico. The defendant told the girl she was going to give her a massage, but she touched her elsewhere. The girl was 16 years old. There was a 17-year-old spotted in the parking lot. The driver pulled over. Maxwell puts on her glasses at this point and starts to write down notes. According to some um, accounts of this, just no emotion at all. 
And I don't know if you can hear this through the microphone, but it's very difficult reading all of this. I have daughters. This is horrific. I, it's very difficult to read this. And the fact that she's sitting there stone-faced and writing notes, you know, I guess she's in a trial, so whatever, but it's telling. They moved beyond scholarships and moved to a pyramid scheme of abuse. They encouraged girls to bring other girls for extra cash. The defendant knew exactly what she was doing. That's what you expect. The that's what we expect the evidence to show. You'll hear about a fund that paid millions to the victims of Jeffrey Epstein, but you will learn that these victims would have paid anything to have this not happen to them. You will hear from relatives. You will hear from staff members. You'll see massage tables, a schoolgirl's outfit. You'll see other records, flight logs showing the names of some Epstein victims. At the end, we will speak again. Until then, pay attention. Follow Judge Nathan's instructions and use your common sense. You will reach the only verdict possible that Ghislaine Maxwell is guilty. So I really, um, it's, it, she, I don't know how well of a picture they just painted of that. You know, I, it did, really didn't seem to touch much on what her part was in these things. And then maybe they want the evidence to speak for itself. And that's fine too. Um, you know, it's hard to make something of that. You know, it really didn't touch specifically on her role in much other than the grooming and putting these people in these positions. Um, but it does show you specifically that she is being accused of sexually exploiting one of these young women herself, um, a 16-year-old that we just heard that account of. Um, so there's one count, and I believe there's six total counts of this case. Um, and I'll, I'll pull up a list and find those for you in a second. But the defense rebuttals this with the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard and opens the defense of the single largest sex trafficking ring in the history that we know about with a quote or a section of the Bible, a story from the frickin' Bible this person uses at their opening statement. And not only uses it in a way to convey a point, but to manipulate your idea from the very opening sentence of what this entire case is about. And here it is. This is Gillian Maxwell's attorney, Bobby Starnheim. And the original one was um, the U.S. attorney, Laura Pomerantz. Okay, so now Starnheim comes to speak and says, and this is also who we spoke about last episode, is the uh, legal team for um, the individual who is Epstein's cellmate, interesting enough. So Starnheim says this, Ever since Adam and Eve, women have been blamed for their evil deeds, for the evil deeds of men. So ever since Adam and Eve, women have been blamed for the evil deeds of men. Okay. So their entire defense in that one statement, I think we can start to see. They're just going to blame Jeffrey Epstein because he's dead. She couldn't have done this. He did it. But who put these women in these situations and had another Epstein come along and helped you again and put you in this position, you would have done the same exact thing. It's not about Epstein. It's about you and your garbage, demonistic acts that you did to these women and the positions that you put these young children in, being a woman yourself, which is almost more just as, if not worse, than the man acting in this case, which is to take nothing away from the fact that 
Epstein's a complete garbage individual and is rotting in hell right now. But to be a woman and know, you know, the emotional aspects of being a woman and to put these young children through this is horror, horrifying in and of itself. So they open it with a, trying to manipulate you with a story from the Bible. Good start. Okay. Glenn Maxwell is not Jeffrey Epstein, they say, or any of the other men, moguls, and media giants who abuse women. Well, we just found out that she does. And she has. And we also know that it's not just about who specifically abused these women. It's about who propped up this entire empire of pedophilia. And it was her. And to take it even further, which we will at some point, between the CIA ties of her family and herself, and the blackmail, the ultimate blackmail that was pulled out of this, as we discussed last episode, between pedophilia. Anyways, Epstein will be mentioned throughout the trial, they say. He is the elephant in the room. He is consuming this entire courtroom and the, the overflow of courtrooms. You are not here to judge Epstein. You are here to determine if Ghislaine Maxwell committed these crimes. We are proud to, we are proud, we are proud to represent Ghislaine Maxwell, me and Christian Everdale, Laura Minninger, and Jeffrey Pagluka. These witnesses want a jackpot of money, is what he said. There are four accusers. They'll say Ghislaine groomed them. Here's an even more fucked up part. So let's go back to that where he tries to say these witnesses want a jackpot of money. So not refuting any of these claims yet. Not saying anything besides, oh, it's all Jeffrey Epstein. No. Now they're trying to say that they just want money. Oh, they got sexually abused by these terrible elites because they wanted money. All because they, they were in it for the money. And that's why they're going to have PTSD for the rest of their lives. And that's why they're going to have troubles with their own sexual partners and sexual sex lives in the future as a result of these atrocities. But, you know, they were in it for the money, this defense attorney says. And then they go on to say, memories fade and become contaminated. Jeffrey showed only what he wanted to show. The Epstein Victims Fund did not test the claimant's stories. They got millions of dollars. Glenn Maxwell is on trial because of her association with Epstein. She is the scapegoat. Objection, said the assistant U.S. attorney. Judge Nathan replied, as stated, overruled. Okay. There's the first part of the defense opening statement. So not only did they try to manipulate a Bible story of Adam and Eve to try and depict Epstein as the villain and E in, in Ghislaine Maxwell in the light of Eve, which is disturbing in and of itself, that that's how they're going to make the correlation then go on to say that, quote, these witnesses want a jackpot of money. Then goes on to say, memories fade and get contaminated. That is literally a psychopath's playbook. Manipulate and gaslight. Memories fade and become contaminated. That is the OG psychopathic gaslighting is saying your memories fade. You didn't think that, you know, you didn't wake up in the middle of the night and hear what you heard it was a dream right it was it's your it's your memory messing with you that's the ultimate move by a psychopath it's the ultimate sociopathic move and this defense lawyer just did it in his opening statement and tried to diminish the accounts of these women who went through these horrific things 
and doesn't say a word about the actual defense of whether she was there or not, or she has plausible deniability regarding these things, just says, no, their memories are wrong, and they want money. Oh, and Ghislaine Maxwell is like Eve from Adam and Eve, and all men are bad, but she's the victim. All right. So, Bobby Sternheim goes on to say the following. Glenn Maxwell can pilot a helicopter. Who the fuck cares? Yeah, to a pedophile island, you fucking weirdo. Ghislaine Maxwell can pilot a helicopter. Her life of luxury is not a crime. Nobody's accusing her of that. You all said you would not be biased by affluence and opulence, and your word is your bond. Sternheim, in the 1990s, Ghislaine met Jeffrey Epstein. Epstein has many positive traits, according to this defense lawyer. Attractiveness. He radiated what's called a halo effect. Ghislaine became his employee to administer his real estate like a small boutique hotels. Like many New Yorkers, he wintered in Palm Beach. Houses required upkeep. Epstein sent time, spent time with other women and traveled with them without Ghislaine. The Jets were like a Hamptons litany in the air. Very interesting people on them. Politicians, celebrities, even a former astronaut who became a senator. There will be Jane, Annie, Kate, and Carol. They will tell their stories only from memory. How else do you tell a story? But memory, he says, as you will hear, changes. Consider, consider the incentive of personal monetary gain. These women were not initially interviewed by investigators with experience. Prosecution objects. Judge sustains the objection and says the jury will disregard the statement. And I assume that's because him saying that these women were never initially interviewed by investigators with experience has nothing to do with this actual trial itself and the investigations of previous cases. But that's only for me to speculate. Um, so... Sternheim goes on to say, you decide if they are credible. Epstein was a manipulator. He had no children. He had no boss. But he attracted these rich and famous people before his fall from grace. He was a 21st century James Bond. His mystery has stirred interest and his accusers have shaken the money tree. Epstein traveled with an entourage, but kept parts of his life locked up. Other manipulators? Lawyers, media, and money have impacted the memories you'll hear. Civil lawyers targeted clients and primed them. We will keep you updated. Um, we, being me, will keep you updated throughout the trial. And that's on our Substack. Could have read that whole thing already. Could have skipped this part. <laughs> but don't do that because then you wouldn't hear it in my voice. Um, so a few things to unpack there um, that are just as disturbing as the initial statement. The first one being, why the fuck does it matter that she can fly a helicopter? Great. Like, what, what is it? Um, what is the pickup line? It's like, uh, I have a dog. You know, do you have a boyfriend? No. Or yes. Oh, okay. I have a dog. Okay. I thought we were talking about things that didn't matter, right? Whatever. Stupid. This doesn't fucking matter. This matters not at all. Ghislaine Maxwell piloting a helicopter has nothing to do with the fact that she probably piloted that helicopter to an island of elite Hollywood enriched pedophiles. And... Probably had a few young women in the freaking helicopter with her. Then tries to say that she's on trial for her life of luxury, which is not anything anybody's saying. 
It literally sounds to me like Ghislaine Maxwell wrote this, right? Because I can fly a helicopter. I am very rich and I have many leather bound books. So this guy's literally sitting here stroking the ego of a dead pedophile saying things like he's attractive saying things like he emitted what's called a halo effect talks about how the jets like the ham or his jets like the hamptons in the air had very interesting people like politicians celebrities even a former astronaut who became a senator like what what are you trying to what are you trying to gain out of that like you name dropping the freaking jury try and see if you're going to sway them with the fact that you know an astronaut <laughs> okay then literally calls jeffrey epstein james the james bond of the 21st century i'm sorry nothing indicates that jeffrey epstein was a international, well, maybe he was a spy for somebody somewhere taking blackmail from all the top level elite Hollywood people, billionaires, right? But to sit and talk to a jury and call Jeffrey Epstein, literally the biggest, if there was, if there was a top hundred list, okay, let's just think about it. For the last hundred years, I'll even give you a hundred years. We're not even going to talk about 50. Let's talk about a hundred years. It'd be fucking Hitler and Epstein. Top, Hitler's definitely probably is absolutely number one. But Epstein's in the conversation. And this person wants to call him attractive with a halo effect. Who's like James Bond. It's literally like he's walking out of the fucking entrance at the WWE crazy how much this person's trying to inflate the deflated dead epstein's ego called him james bond you called the de defendant's team called jeffrey epstein james bond that's literally all you have to know besides the atrocious things that they already said about the individuals prior to this okay then goes on to say but memory, as you will hear, changes. So again, the gaslighting. Again, trying to make these people believe that their memories are false, right? That they didn't... I don't even know how you try and change that memory. I, I just dreamed that I got abducted and taken to this private island by this 40-year-old man and 30-year-old woman who's a helicopter pilot with... And I slept or, or got raped by Prince Andrew. Like, yeah, it sounds crazy, but there's evidence to back all of it up. And we know it to be true, basically, at this point. So those are the opening statements. I think it's really... Um, I, I We got more out of the trial than I thought we would get at this point. I, I really wasn't expecting, you know, we, we heard initial whispers that they were going to allow people um, a live feed of the actual trial. We heard whispers that there was going to be um, at least audio recording. Um, I know because it's a federal trial, there's some difficulties in getting a live feed video, but there was talks about some type of audio. And then they came out and said, none of it, right? There was even a, a phone number that got sent around um, social media and then an entrance code for like a Skype phone number. Um, but that didn't work. Trust me, I tried it. Um, apparently that was for the 20th. 
um, with the jury selection or something like that and not the 29th today. Um, and we didn't get one for today. So um, we got more out of it than I thought, though. And again, I'm going to be staying up to date on all of this. I'm going to be reading through every single court document I can find. Um, and anything that I find that's interesting, any breaking news that I get from my sources, I'm going to go ahead and post on the Substack for you guys. Um, so make sure that you go and subscribe there. Subscribe, whether you're on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe. There's a red button dot right there. If you're on Apple, somewhere on, you can't see me, but I'm pointing directly to where that subscribe button is if you haven't pressed it already. And if you've already pressed that, go down and give us a five-star review. Um, other than that, guys, uh, thank you so much. I hope that we learned something today. I hope that this updated you guys a little bit on the trial because you know there's going to be a media, media blackout on this trial. Um, so if you want the real information, stay updated, stay right here, Red Pill Revolution podcast. Um, thank you guys so much for joining me and, uh, I hope you have a great day. I will be continuing to keep you guys up to date day to day. As long as there's information coming out, it's going to be put on the Substack, redpillrevolution.substack.com. And you can also donate. Um, you can go to givesengo.com slash redpillrevolution. Or go directly to the link tree, and there's some donations right on the link tree, which is linktr.ee slash redpillrevolt, R-E-V-O-L-T, redpillrevolt. So linktree.com or linktr.ee slash redpillrevolt, and you can donate right on there for me. And I'd appreciate it, because again, I still got this shitty $100 microphone. <laughs> and... Uh, plan on making this better and better for you guys. I hope that you have been enjoying this. Um, I hope that you are getting enough out of it um, to continue to watch and support and share and subscribe and eventually maybe even donate. Um, but for the meantime, I'm here for you guys. Happy to put out all this information and um, yeah, we'll see you next week.